Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. Happy October, everyone. It's October 1st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Chiefs today, and we start by turning on the Wayback Machine to discuss when the team was in last place this late in the season. I think you'll enjoy hearing a familiar voice to the Star's Chiefs postgame broadcasts. But none of our current crew of Vahe Gregorian, Sam Mellinger, Sam McDowell, and Kirby Teope believe that what's happening now, the one and two record and two straight losses, is nothing that can't be fixed with a few changes and maybe a little more attention to detail. Also, we cover the signing of Josh Gordon, Andy Reid's health scare, and this week's game against the Philadelphia Eagles. The show started as a Sports Beat Live and is now presented as a Sports Beat KC podcast. Hope you enjoy. Good morning from Kansas City. Welcome to Sports Beat Live. It's the weekly conversation about the Chiefs with the folks who cover the team for the star and with you. Please send us your questions and comments and join in the conversation. So, Hey, I know everybody's still getting used to uh, Fridays at 9.30 a.m. Even we're getting used to and adjusting to the new time. I know that sometimes when our producer, Beth, sends out the link to join the show, that's the first time I realize that, oh, maybe we're doing a show today. So always appreciate Beth with her links. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Blair. Good morning, Blair, lads. Hey, I got a little trip down memory lane for you here. Does anybody remember the last time the Chiefs were in last place this late in the season? 15, right? I believe that's the case. But just to be sure, we have some uh, video evidence of this that Beth is going to roll right now. Hey, everybody. It's Therese Paler, Kansas City Star. And I'm with my main man, Blair Kirkhoff, Sam Mellinger. Posted up here in beautiful Minneapolis after the Chiefs' 16-10 loss. Bad season. It's gone to hell, and I don't think a lot of people would have expected one in five at this no. point. I mean, you could have given me a lot of scenarios, and I wouldn't expect it one in five. But you know what? We're always here. We're always giving opinions. We're still covering the team. That's what we do, right, baby? So, guys, let's go through our three and out. Give me your one major takeaway from this big loss. <laughs> I miss that guy, man. Damn. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> That was great. That was the game uh, Donald Stevenson accidentally stripped. Was it Charkander? West, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Game-winning drive. <laughs> and they were playing that game at the Gopher Stadium. I forgot what they call it, but yeah. Uh, I think Vahe, Vahe was in Toronto at that point. Yeah, I was in Toronto, and I think you guys were, were about to hop up there. <laughs> I can't remember exactly how we did it. Uh, <laughs> they flew into an, a funny airport about Gosh, what was it called? The Kitchener Airport, like a four-gate airport about an hour outside of Toronto. You know, saving the company money while you guys were luxuriating at that loss. Find us by the trash can. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. That was the first year, I think, that Star did post-game videos from the games. That entire show, we only played 40 seconds, but the entire show only lasted about five and a half minutes. It was just a sort of a quick take on the game, and let's get back to writing stories. But I do remember we always look around for a place to set up, and, and Sam was the one that identified the trash can. And said, Seems on brand. Yeah, yeah, this team's playing like garbage. Let's uh, <laughs> let's emphasize that. I was just going to ask who might have framed up that look. <laughs> Need I have? 
<laughs> but indeed, the Chiefs went to one and five with a loss with that game in Minnesota and were in last place in the AFC West as they are now uh, on a two-game losing streak coming off the loss to the Chargers. Look, the world's a different place now than it was then. And things got better immediately for the Chiefs after that game. I did listen to that entire five-minute clip, and we were a lot of, you know, are they going to be in the Jared Goff sweepstakes <laughs> at the end of the year? The Chiefs ended up winning 10 in a row, right? And finishing second to the Broncos and winning a playoff game. So things turned around pretty quickly for the Chiefs. Uh, look, this Chiefs team is still the, pretty much all the main pieces are back from the two-time uh, Super Bowl participants, Kansas City Chiefs. So this is a different world, isn't it, Sam? We're not talking about the same thing here. No, yeah. I mean, th that team had a lot to prove, um, and it did. The, the schedule worked out for that team a little bit. They played the Steelers, if I remember right, the next game, and the Steelers were on their like seventh string quarterback that week. Right. But um, they were able to to build some momentum there. But that group, the Chiefs used to be a team where A, B, C, D, and sometimes E, F, and G had to go right, and then things can move a little bit. Then they can look really good. And this group, it seems more like a, B, and C have to go wrong for them to lose a game, you know, and, and they've done A, B, and C and sometimes D, E, and F these last two weeks. So I always got the sense with those old teams that, God, they just need this, this, and this, you know, and this team, I think all the answers are in that room. I really do believe that despite what we've seen the last two weeks, you know, it's, it's a weird first three games because they really are not that many plays away from being three and oh. And they're really not that many plays away from being 0 and 3. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe one and two is is what they've earned. But I just I still believe I just don't believe that this group has gone like completely complacent and is just like, screw it. You know, we've three straight AFC championship games, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I think this group still wants more. And so the Eagles are the worst opponent they've played so far. Right. But I'll be surprised if the Chiefs don't look better than ever this weekend in Philly. The Eagles are the first opponent that the Chiefs are going to play that I don't think has a chance to make the playoffs. A couple things. In 2015, five of the first six teams the Chiefs played that year made the playoffs and helped produce that one in five record. And very few of the teams they played after that did. But in Sam's alphabets here, A, B, C, and D, few of those involve the defense. And this is a good place for some injuries because the only real significant injury right now is on the defensive side in the secondary, isn't it, Herbie? Yeah, you've got two of them. You've got Rashad Fenton, who's still in the concussion protocol. He left week three's game shortly before halftime and didn't return. So he hasn't practiced all week. Javarius Ward, who was inactive last week uh, with a quad injury, has put in limited practices the past two days. And the Chiefs need him out there because they had that swarming ability to defend against the pass. And they're going to need to swarm against Jalen Hurts. Frank Clark with the hamstring injury, he's been limited the past two days, was inactive last week as well. So they need him back out there as well. <laughs> really enjoyed that on a couple different levels, guys. I just want to. Sam Mack, you you wrote about the defense this week and, and Tyron Matthews' thoughts on this. I got to tell you, I saw a read an article late this week that really praised what the Chargers, their offensive coordinator and Justin Herbert were able to do to the Chiefs in terms of kind of picking up the tempo, speeding up the offense a little bit, especially after they crossed midfield. And there was a lot of finger pointing by the Chiefs, not after the play, but before the play. Right. You need to be here. You need to be here. And the Chargers took full advantage of that. But what did Tyron Matthew have to say about pass defense this week? First of all, I can't believe we watched that clip and nobody commented on uh, Melly's look. He looked like the guy that was ready to fix the computer problems that I'm having. Now he's dressed like he's in a Ford commercial or something, but 
Matthew pointed out the fact that they're having trouble pre-snap alignments. And you've actually seen that play out after the play. And you, you've seen it play out, which you just mentioned, Blair, which is before the play. You know, the one that came to mind that I led with after the play was the play in Baltimore where Hollywood Brown, there's nobody within 15 yards of him. And the pass is low, the pass is late, and it doesn't even matter because there's nobody within 15 yards of him. And there's clearly a missed assignment on that play. In the Chargers game, on the two-point conversion, there's a play where Tyron Matthew is literally running across the back of the line of scrimmage, basically saying nobody is guarding Mike Williams on this play. He sprints across there, and by the time he gets there, there's still nobody on him. The ball's a two-point conversion. There's a touchdown play that the Sam mentioned after the game last Sunday where Austin Eckler is wide open. Anthony Hitchens isn't lined up in time. And they did pinpoint the fact that the Chargers were hurrying to the line of scrimmage. And maybe they didn't feel like they had enough time to sub, or maybe they didn't feel like they had enough time to get in their defense. But they've got to call something. And Tyron Matthew has put this on the players, that it's not the coaches not putting them in the right spots. The players have to communicate better. And I think he was specifically on one of those talking about the secondary. He mentioned the secondary and once that those are explosive plays when you don't get lined up correctly. So like I, like I mentioned in the article, the, the, the good news about this is that's a correctable flaw. You know, there's other things with this defense, specifically with the pass rush, that I, I do wonder what's the answer for this in that locker room. But pre-snap adjustments, that, that's a correctable thing. So what, what's happening is the Chiefs are getting hammered in the red zone, right? 12 touchdowns and one field goal and 13 trips in the red zone. And a new and delightful problem, fourth down defense. The Chargers converted the fourth and nine against the Chiefs to keep alive what turned out to be the game-winning drive. And so these are kind of issues that the, the red zone thing, that, that's a, to me almost unexcusable because the Chiefs identified that after last season. And uh, that was supposed to be a, a big emphasis coming into this year. And they can't stop it, right? They're not the worst in the NFL, by the way, at this. There are like three teams below them that are were opponents of scoring every time they have touchdowns every time they've been in the red zone. So they, so they have improved. They have improved this year then, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. They're not 32nd. <laughs> but the fourth down uh, defense, they're just going to have to rise up and, and take that as a challenge or an insult or whatever it takes to feel the, the, the disrespect and make a stop. But that didn't happen against the Chargers didn't happen against the Ravens. I think we're going to see more of it from opponents this year. What do you guys think? Well, there was one little commonality in all the things we're talking about. And maybe the fourth down thing applies here because it's not like it's really the first time it's happened. It's happening more. But you're talking about red zone. You're talking about turnovers. You're talking about communication. All things that they've been talking about. It doesn't seem like there's really great explanations for why they haven't been able to resolve them, particularly when you think about things like communication, right? As Tyron put it yesterday, if you don't get that pre-snap stuff right, then, I mean, you're you're lost to start the play. So my, my only point on this is I just, I feel like we can think some of these things are fixable, but it's a little mysterious to me why they're not getting fixed when they've already been getting addressed. Ron checks in from Germany. Uh, thanks for, for checking in, Ron. How close is this D to being a results-oriented Sutton 2.0 D? I go back to the 2018 defense which was uh, an adventure, uh, to say the least. It was a season in which the Chiefs had to outscore opponents. And I think this Chiefs team is entirely capable of outscoring opponents when they don't commit four turnovers in a game or two very ill-timed turnovers, uh, as they did against the Ravens. That Chiefs 2018 team, that which was Mahomes' first year as a starter, wasn't a mistake-prone team. Neither was the 2019 or 2020 Chiefs teams. Not to this extent. I looked this up the other day that in Andy Reid's first eight seasons with the Chiefs, they had only committed more turnovers than opponents in one of those years. The Chiefs have been 
fantastic at ball security and good decision making when it comes to turnovers. This team, uh, at least these last two games, has just been bizarre in in the way that they that they've been careless and sloppy w- with the ball. So. I know we just transitioned basically from from defense to offense. What, what is going on with, with this Chiefs offense and the miscues? Melly, what do you think? This is a fixable issue, isn't it? I think so. I mean, I know people don't want to hear this, but especially fumbled tw- two weeks in a row, right? Um, and not that there's a good spot for a fumble, but, you know, in, in, in really bad spots. But that's not in Edwards Hilaire's history. You know, and, and I think that matters. Two in a row matters. Uh, I'm not discounting that completely, but... You know, this isn't a guy that just has a a history of doing that. Same with Tyreek Hill. That was his, I think, second fumble in five seasons. I don't think that that's something that you have to freak out about. The interceptions, uh, I mean, that that was the worst play of of Patrick Mahomes' career. And I I get that that's (laughs) like a, a different standard than a lot of quarterbacks. But that interception in Baltimore was just, it was a terrible idea, poorly executed. And the one, you know, bounces off a guy's shoulder pads. I think Marcus Kemp has to make that catch. It's a less than perfect pass, but he's got to make that catch. And then the other one, uh, there was a little bit of a miscommunication. I think that was the risk reward calculus. You know, I think the quarterback was pushing it maybe a little bit further than would have been advisable. Because correct me if I'm wrong, it was a tie score at that point. Yeah, that's why I thought the Chiefs would win at that point. They had yeah. the ball. I think it was 24 all, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is this is Chiefs time. Right. Yeah. What we've seen the last few years. I don't think that that was the best decision, but um, but I do think that there there probably is a sense there, right, of needing to push it a little bit and getting a little bit frustrated and 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 doing some 2018 things, you know, and and they often work, right? They often work. Um, but you know, in 2019, second half of the season, when he came back from that injury, I, I just thought it was. It was just like a machine. I mean, it was just, it was still spectacular plays. You still had the jump pass in, in Nashville and, and some other things like that, but there just wasn't, there wasn't a lot of riskiness to it. And, and somehow they need to get back to that, but it is sort of a, just a complimentary, complimentary with an E kind of thing. The defense needs to be better. He needs to get used to the, the offensive line, all these other things. It's not simple, but I do think that, again, that just all the answers are, are in the room, that they can do this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening.
Charlie says they haven't been stopped on offense, even against decent opponents. Absolutely right. Uh, as long as they turn the ball over, they should beat every team they play. I, I tend to agree with that. I mean, I think they'll, they should be favored against every team they play. Karen says it reminds him of the Lions game without the W. Yeah, I thought about that too. But the thing about that Lions game is the Chiefs got turnovers. They took the ball away. I think there were five turnovers like in the third quarter of that game, like three by the Chiefs and a couple by the Lions. Including that 100-yard whatever that was. Was that a fumble return? Like, uh, whatever that was. <laughs> I mean. That was crazy. You're right. Length of the field. Was it Was it Breland that did that? Yeah, Bashad Breland. Yeah, yeah. So the Mahomes picks to me are the – we just haven't seen this, right? Three picks in, in two weeks. Everybody else does that. He's, he's the player that doesn't do that. Now he's done it. And, and I think it was, was it Andy Reid? Somebody said this week, it can't change the way you play, right? Well, hey, you, you can't not be Patrick Mahomes and take risks and be you know, somewhat of a gunslinger. And you, you can't rein it in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he, he's got to be who he is. I mean, that's what makes him special. But part of what makes him special is that slight distinction between being really a gunslinger slash reckless versus you know, much more measured calculations that he's making in a microsecond that, that, you know, would take us 20 minutes to think through. And he has a, I think, incredible knack for that. It goes back to everything from vision to awareness. And those things haven't left him. And, and certainly he doesn't care any less. I think it's just been some game situation moments that have presented themselves in kind of a funny way. I do think that at least the way Patrick laid it out, and he's got a really pretty good track record of being candid on these things. That interception when he's trying to hit Kelsey, he committed to trying to throw the ball right as they have kind of a cue between them that it was exactly the moment where Kelsey thought it the other way. At least that's how I took it. And that's why the ball ended up where it did. I don't know that it wouldn't have been intercepted otherwise, but I think we just need to remember and over the course of a long season, of course, we're only in the course of a short season so far, but in the course of a long season, those things should play out a little differently. I think if Patrick, again, continues to learn from what he's just seen, you know, reevaluates the situations, processes it, and just stays the guy he is, I don't think we're going to see a, a turnover spree from him. I just think it's going to happen in pockets from time to time because every play is different. No matter what, every play still is different. I think we're seeing a product of of his passes. We, we we saw him go through a stretch like this last year where it seems like teams dropped every potential interception they could have had. And now it seems like guys are making I mean, the Chargers made two incredible plays on those interceptions. You know, statistically, via next-gen stats, Patrick Mahomes is the least aggressive quarterback in the NFL. He's not being more careless, more reckless, anything like that. You know, Vahe explained that Kelsey one perfectly. Um, obviously, the one in Baltimore was just a bad decision. The, the one to Kemp, I don't think, is on Patrick Mahomes. Um, so I, I just think all the stats bear out, as well as, of course, the three years of history show that this is not going to be a long-lasting thing with Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't think it's any reason for concern. Like I said, I, I think he had balls like this last year that he got a little bit lucky. I mean, the, the Patriots dropped two or three interceptions in that game, and that was you know early in the season as well. Th these things tend to even themselves out, like Vahe said, over the course of the season. And right now, it seems like every mistake he made is, is getting picked off. Okay, Terrence uh, encourages us to move the chains a little bit, and let's talk Josh Gordon here. What do we think, Herbie? We've seen something like this before, right? Uh, Le'Veon Bell last year. What's the potential impact and the timetable for Josh Gordon? Gordon is your, your perfect example of a, a low-risk, high-reward type signing. You know, you, you get this guy who, who obviously has his issues, you know, well-documented issues, coming off of suspension, reinstated suspension, reinstated. 
And that's the case what's going on right now. You want him to absorb the playbook. And that's the key thing for him right now is he's on the practice squad. He's not on the active roster. So we're not going to see him unless there's some miraculous elevation Saturday, which I don't think is going to be the case at all. Because even if he were to play this weekend, he, there's no way in the world that Chiefs can build a game plan or, or install plays specifically for him because he doesn't understand the language. I think what will help him, though, is, you know, playing for an elite quarterback like Tom Brady. Then he goes to Seattle. They run a version of the West Coast offense up there. He played with Russell Wilson. So for him, it's a matter of absorbing and translating the different terminology. The plays will probably be the same, but it's the terminology that he has to get down. You know, maybe two or three weeks. That's probably what I'm thinking. It's going to take him a while to get fully implemented into the offense. Can he be as effective as Sammy Watkins was in this offense? Josh Gordon hasn't played a full season. He's only played one once in his career, right? He's 30 years old. And I just don't know what we're going to, what to expect from him, except I know Patrick Mahomes is excited about the idea of a, of a big bodied wide receiver, right? Just somebody that can go up and get a reception. I'm curious to see what, what they have in him. Two or three weeks, Herbie, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, for me, the biggest challenge for him is the playbook. You know, we all know it's complex. Everybody who has gone through that playbook says it's complex. We hear wide receivers say it it takes them one or two seasons to fully understand it. That's going to be the biggest challenge for him is understanding what he's supposed to do. Dave Tobe told us yesterday he's the number two or number three wide receiver. (laughs) God bless that man, that special teams coach interviews. Yeah, they picked the right one to speak to the media on Sunday after the game, and that's kind of where I wanted to go next. The the biggest story of the week, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, happened immediately after the game on on Sunday, and that's when Andy Reid did not appear in the post-game press conference. Turns out he spent Sunday night in the hospital resting. We do not know to this day exactly what the illness was. It was just described as an illness. The Chiefs and Andy Reid haven't revealed it, don't want to reveal it. And look, I I know we're all we all have our feelings about medical issues. None of us are keen about sharing information like that, but there was absolutely a sense of concern and worry, and we did address it uh, during the uh, Andy Reid's first press conference on Wednesday. Let's let's hear what Andy Reid had to say just about his illness. I'm wondering if there's anything you can, or I guess I should say would be willing to share about what happened after the game. Yeah, I'd probably just skip that. I, you know, I'll just say I'm not much on talking about all that stuff. I wish it would never happen, but it did, and I'm moving on, you know. But I feel great. I appreciate the doctors for taking care of me. I mean, you know, they're they phenomenal. So. Right. Exactly. We're glad to see you back and healthy. I've not lost on you how concerned people were, and I, I do wonder if is this the sort of episode that makes you have to examine routines at all for anything that, um, of that nature? Yeah, I mean, probably, you're probably right. I, you know, you go back and you look at things, but um, you're asked a lot of questions, so, you know, you look at things. But I, I feel great right now, so. And everybody that's dealt with me is confident that it will continue that way, so I'm good if they're good, right? They're the experts. And, and you were uh, completely uh, at ease coming right back to work on Monday? Well, I wish I could have gotten a couple more of these, but I, I'm uh, I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. All right, a couple things before I want Vahe to pick up the conversation, but I, he didn't look different to me. He didn't sound different, didn't seem different, but gosh, that was absolutely a scare on Sunday. Yeah, I, I thought the more the night went along on Sunday, the more concerned I got because there was such a gap in information. And you saw Tyron Matthews' tweet that uh, sounded like, I don't know, just sounded like a, a, a very high level of concern, not just a, a coach had to get precautionary evaluation after the game at least got me thinking about like 
boy, how, how serious could this be? And and now I, I, I'm a little conflicted about what to think. Obviously, he would get the utmost health care. I would assume it would be no less than a, a battery or a team of doctors that would sign off on him getting out of the hospital and going back to work. I, I can't imagine that uh, Andy just you know, had the uh, autonomy to just run through stop signs and say, well, I'm working. I, I just can't believe that would be the case without a medical basis. On the other hand, if it really was something that seems to be have gotten floated out there along the lines of dehydration, why won't anybody just say that publicly? I find that peculiar. And we know that the chiefs like to keep a tight cordon on things. And we know that Andy, for all his sense of humor, can be a sort of a stoic guy, doesn't want to show anything beyond the macho in some ways, right? So all those things go together. But I think the effect is that it, I think, certainly leaves the public guessing and wondering what's really going on with Andy, especially because the other things that he has to bear. I think that's exactly right. Like the sort of lack of information is concerning in some ways. I make an assumption and we all know what about assumptions, but I feel like if it was just dehydration, if it was just like something pretty minor, I think the chiefs would have been more vocal about that. Again, I mean, that's, that's a guess, right? Like that's all, that's all we can do, but it's, there's just some vibes that make this feel like something to be concerned about, you know, something that they're concerned about. I wondered what the scene would have been like on the sideline if that game had gone into overtime. So the team would have stayed out on the field for another however many minutes it would have taken to decide the game. And this happened immediately, sometime between the end of the game and in the 10 or 15 minutes it happened after the game. (laughs) You'd have had national cameras on Andy Reid and on the Chiefs' sideline. At that point, I'm not sure, you you, you know, uh, you know, everything's all right. Answer would have sufficed at that point. But Anyway, it didn't happen that way, um, and Chiefs didn't get it to overtime. And again, like I said, I, I thought Andy Reid looked and sounded no different to me on Wednesday than he had at any other time, and I suppose that is a good sign. Hey, we've gone all this way without really talking about the opponent on Sunday. And speaking of Andy Reid, there are some connections here, not just Andy Reid, but Travis Kelsey as well. So those will be some TV moments during the broadcast, make it fun uh, on an otherwise two teams that don't see each other, but what every four years, and it's been eight years since the Chiefs played in, in Philadelphia. So Fahey, take that away. What, what's, um, at least from, from a you know homecoming standpoint, there's something to say about this game. It's exciting, I think, because no matter what, no matter how much they downplay it, Andy back to Philly is, is a thing. And it's kind of all the more interesting and maybe a little less loaded since each team has won a Super Bowl since Andy left. It you know, might feel different if it were one way or the other. But I, I think that'll, that'll be an element of it. That record is actually pretty meaningful. It's, it's not just his 100th win as the Chiefs coach. It would be the first NFL coach, if I remember correctly, to win 100 games with two different franchises. That's, that's really something. We've seen plenty of NFL coaches have impact with multiple teams, but we haven't seen that. So I naturally look forward to that. I do think we'll have some highlight reel moment of some sort involving the brothers Kelsey, whether it's after the game or let's hope for Travis's sake, not during the game with like a a fly Eagles fly bit that he does and goes back to being a 2017 Travis uh, temperamentally. Herbie, you wrote about the keys to the game. Charlie asks, what can the Eagles do to to bother the Chiefs, to hurt the Chiefs? I think if they take advantage of the Chiefs in the red zone, you know, the, the Chiefs, as you mentioned earlier, they're, I think, 24th in the league or something like that, but they're like they're 93, 94% touchdown percentage rate is what they're allowing to opponents. And the Eagles enter this game ranked 7th in the league. Their offense does in red zone touchdown percentage at 85%. So if they take advantage of that and if they force turnovers, 
And I saw that comment there about Fletcher Cox because he's right. He is a handful. Uh, we're talking about a six-time pro bowler in the middle. This is a game, though, that the Chiefs should win. You know, I'm not worried about the Eagles pulling off something crazy like we've seen these last two weeks. The Chiefs should win this game. But if they're going to be competitive, they got to score when they're in the red zone. How about this stat? The, the Eagles, by far, lead the NFL in penalties. It's um, you know been a tough year for Philly on, on that front. But the other stat that, that kind of jumped out at me is that Miles Sanders, the running back, 8.9 yards per carry on first down this year. So rushing defense, something that the Chiefs, boy, was a massive failure in the first couple of games. Better against the Chargers, but something to keep an eye on this week. I agree with you, though. I think the Chiefs end up winning this game. They break the losing streak. doesn't get to 1-5, and five, as did Minnesota, oh, those many years ago. But both teams enter the game on a, on a two-game losing streak. I think the Chiefs come out of this thing with the victory. So that'll do it for us today. Really appreciate you sticking with us. Again, just as a reminder, it's going to be Fridays for the foreseeable future. Fridays at 9.30. Please join us in. And we'll be with you post-game from Philadelphia as well. So for Herbie, Sam McDowell, Vahe, and Sam Mellinger, and our producer, Beth Welsh, thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you in a couple days. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Big thanks to our production staff of Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Herbie Teope, Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, and Sam Mellinger for Talking Chiefs. Links to their stories and a bunch of Chief stories can be found in the show notes and all over KansasCity.com. So, you know about the Morning Sports Edition, right? Okay, if you don't, let me tell you about it. On KansasCity.com, you go to the Stars E-Edition. That's a replica of the printed newspaper on your screen that comes with your digital subscription. Well, now there's an updated sports section produced separately that goes along with it. When you open the E-Edition, there's a box in the upper right-hand corner that says All Editions. You click on that, and you can access about 15 to 30 pages of sports. Or maybe you get a link in your email. I do, and it's there by about 6 a.m. every morning. Either way, it's access to complete coverage of the previous day's sports news, features, statistics, everything. It's fantastic. Okay, end of the commercial. Thanks for reading The Star and listening to our podcast lineup. You're helping support the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City, and we couldn't produce programs like Sports Beat KC without you. We'll be back on Monday to break down the Chiefs-Eagles game. Please tune in then. Hey.